I'm Dao, I'm a visual artist and I paint ideas at the intersection of art, technology and business. And this is I Paint Ideas Podcast. I want to find out more about leadership in selling. I think selling is all about leading someone from one situation to a better situation. And the best person to help me explore this is my friend, Wendy Vaughn. She's the founder at Predictable Sales Results, where she helps her clients get really, really, really good at sales. And she is so good at demystifying the sales process and making it fun and practical and effortless to get to yes. So let me give her a call and we can discover together these parallels between leading and selling. Wendy, I'm so thrilled to talk to you today about leadership and sales. As you know, I'm working on a new collection about leadership, so I'm looking to find inspiration for new artwork, and, and I'm dying to talk to you about the parallels between leadership and sales. And you know, with each conversation, there's always a quote to start with, and this is no different. There's a John Maxwell quote, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, and I thought that was really appropriate in the sales situation because you do need to influence people and help them go from where they are to where they want to be. So how do you see sales? Well, yeah, that, I see it very much as a leadership role because, uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, people enter into what I call a sales conversation with a fair amount of you know, resistance or you know, they just have lack of clarity, right? They don't really know what is going to be offered or what it's all about or maybe what the person is um, going to be presenting to them. And so there's a bit of skepticism or resistance. And and the way I see it, it's kind of a journey. It's a prospect to client journey that the person that's uh, either the entrepreneur or whoever it is that's making the offer has to help the prospective client through or lead them through. And so I, I see a lot of similarity between the the sales role and a role of leadership. Oh, totally. It's totally a journey and there is always a transformation, right? Regardless if they're buying a product or you're selling them a solution or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's kind of bringing their vision into your vision, which is, again, what leadership is all about, right? It's not really... Uh, effective, in my opinion, anyway, to be a leader who forces somebody into agreement or overpowers them. And it's interesting because that's kind of the old school approach to selling. And it's what people run from, you know, or, or have huge uh, mindset issues over in terms of stepping into a role of being in sales. They don't want to be that you know, that overpowering or manipulative person. And there is really a lot of similarity, like I said, in the role of helping somebody through their prospect to client journey where they do achieve that state of inspiration, right? To take action. Oh, so true. And, you know, I was driving uh, the other day and I heard on the radio this commercial for uh, a guy, I guess he's a sales trainer or a sales consultant or something like that. And he was so pushy and aggressive and obnoxious. And the first thing that I thought myself is like, if you're the last person teaching sales, I would not have you anywhere, anywhere near my team. He was just that offensive. Yeah. Well, obviously it's not so old school that it's non-existent, right? But 
in my opinion, it's just really doesn't work that well anymore because uh, the new generation, you know, the millennials, the Gen X, Gen Z, I mean, they they smell that. And that's the last thing that they want is anybody that's trying to manipulate or overpower. So I see it more in terms of uh, bringing alignment to two different visions or um you know, I have a, a process that is, I feel, much like what it is to be a good leader, and that's to create uh, relatability, right? Likeability is, is what I call it, uh, as well as trustworthiness. Um, that's huge in both areas. Being a, a great leader is someone who uh, somebody wants to trust and establish that sense of um, credibility, you know, that they have a solid vision or a game plan or an outcome that is, it's good. It has a benefit. It's worthy, you know, and that, again, those similarities. And, of course, the inspiration to take action. And that's what all great leaders strive for is inspiring people to take action so that the outcome can be achieved. So, yeah. There are many conversations now about being an authentic leader. And I'm curious, where do you think authenticity fits into selling? Being authentic doesn't just show up in, in leadership roles or, or in sales roles. I think it's an important way to just be, right, in, in all aspects of life. Be genuine. Be yourself. And sometimes people have a hard time realizing that that's good enough. You know, being authentic, being themselves is good enough. And in fact, it's more than good enough. It's what what creates some of that um, sense of calm or trust. Uh, but it's not the only component uh, in the, again, the, the prospect to client journey. Being authentic is extremely important, but it, it's not it's not the only thing. Like you said, authenticity is super important, but there are other things. Can you tell me more about what those other things are? Yeah, that's a great question. And the way I see authenticity is that's that's a way to for the the person that's delivering the offer or you know wanting the new client to be that's comfortable for them. It's almost like shining the light or the focus on them. I want to be comfortable in this conversation. But it's not all that is um, beneficial to the person who is looking to make a buying decision. And the way that I present it in my coaching is that there are actually four key components, or as I call it, psychological states that need to occur during the sales conversation or enrollment conversation in order for a prospective client to go from that place of being unsure and a little hesitant to clear, confident, and inspired to take action. And um, authenticity really ties into one of those, and that's to be likable. And I, I mentioned this, and just to be relatable, and just to have the person that you're speaking with feel like, you know, this is somebody I'd love to work with, or this is somebody that really gets me. You know, they understand me, and, and I like them. Uh, another psychological state that's so critical, like I mentioned, is is trustworthiness, you know, and that is so key for um, being a great leader as well. And uh, the third psychological state that really needs to occur during the conversation is is credibility to convey that there is 
not only a proven pathway or a system or something that's in place that is going to deliver the outcome that is being promised, but also on the flip side of that, the belief of the person who is considering the opportunity, a belief that they can attain that same outcome. And so that's uh, kind of a two-sided coin there. And then, of course, the, the fourth component is, is the biggie. It's, it's desire. And that is the unwavering message in the potential client's head of, I've got to have this, or this is exactly what I'm looking for, or I, you know, see this as the way that I can achieve this end result or, you know, fix this challenge or, you know, whatever the outcome is that they have that absolute desire because it's resonated. Right. And that's the same with uh, a leader. It, the outcome can't be again, like we just spoke about a forced outcome. It has to be a, a kind of a buy-in and inspired like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, a unity. I agree with you. I think people would rather have a buy-in more so than having to, you know, force somebody to do something. I really like how you're structuring almost this uh, sales conversation. And it seems to me it's a, it becomes a state-to-state -state transformation of your potential buyer into that inspiration to take action. Right. Yeah, I, I kind of use an analogy sometimes that it's almost like baking a cake and I'm not talking about from scratch. I'm talking about the cake that you open the box. <laughs> it's, you know, there are certain key ingredients, right? There's the powder and then there are the eggs and the oil and the water. And if you leave out one of those ingredients, the cake's not going to turn out. Uh, and so it's the same with the, the sales conversation Provi providing all four of those elements throughout the conversation really gives people, like I said, everything they need to make their buying decision. They have the clarity and the confidence. That makes total sense. I was wondering if you have a specific approach that you teach your clients so that they do use all four ingredients. I'm a little bit different in um, my methodology because I truly believe that the person, the entrepreneur, the whoever it is, you know, the coach is the magic. It's not a script. The person is the magic because they're the ones that have the vision and the belief and the passion. And so to kind of stamp a script on script on top of that kind of boxes that in. So I coach more in terms of a framework and the exact techniques of how to trigger these psychological states. But to go back to one of your first questions, in an authentic way, right, in a natural conversation so that it feels authentic and comfortable to the person who is making the offer. And, and it's received then in more of a genuine way. So, so, yeah, the way that I coach is a little bit unique in that regard. Like I said, I really one of the huge components is, is the person and not so much a script. That's brilliant. I love that idea of you're the magic, not the script. The magic is in you. And I think that there's artwork right there. So I'll put that on my list. 
But I think it's really brilliant uh, to incorporate a personality instead of some robotic script. When was the first time when you realized this is how I should be doing it? Well, it's interesting because um, when I first ventured into a career, which for all intents and purposes was supposed to be as a classical musician performing in a symphony, that career path got derailed um, because I failed at auditioning, which was which was a pretty important part of becoming a professional musician, right? I just caved. I, I folded under the stress. So, so I launched into my own business without any business skills, without any sales skills. Does this sound familiar with a few other entrepreneurs that might be listening? <laughs> but boy, did I know music. <laughs> and so just by pure survival needs and the fact that I have a very analytical brain, uh, which I think transfers over from my musician side, um, I was able to start noticing patterns in human behavior within the sales conversations that I was having. Again, this took several months, and it it was, like I said, just out of sheer survival needs that I started realizing that people responding during the sales conversations based on certain triggers of you know emotions or I call psychological states a combination of intellectual and mental, uh, well, intellectual and emotional. Okay. So it's kind of a combination. So anyway, I boiled it down to four, these four psychological states that, that boy, if I was able to establish each of those or, you know, spawn those during the conversation, it was an easy decision. You know, it, it made it very easy for my clients to say, yeah, this sounds great. Let's do this. And if I hadn't triggered all four of those psychological states, that's when I would get objections or, you know, let, we're going to think about this and I'll get back to you. You know, it's like, you know, in fact, I started reading some how to sales books and it just it literally was it just sent shivers up my spine. I was like, I this is so not me. There's no way because I was pretty shy as well. I mean, I, I was kind of a nerdy classical musician. Okay. To be quite honest. And I could not be that, you know, well, so what would help you get, you know, make this decision today? I just like, Oh my God, please. But I found if I just gave my potential clients everything they needed, both intellectually and emotionally or mentally, then they could make a decision and I could still be me. So what would you do if they gave you some objections? Well, like I said, is when I got really good and, and dialed in how to uh, carry my conversation in a way that triggered these psychological states, I really didn't have any objections. I mean, that sounds like a big audacious statement, but... <laughs> But it's true. It's true. And when I did get objections, I would think, ah, this is what I, I forgot to do. This is what I failed to do. You know, and so it's like lessons learned and you just practice and practice. It's kind of like riding a bike, right? You don't you aren't born being able to ride a bike. Those are skills that you acquire. And, and once you get good at it, you've got it. Oh, that's funny. I do lessons learn all the time. So it just sounds like that in those instances, they just didn't have enough right information to make a decision. That's all. Right. And what's 
I've found in working with entrepreneurs is one of the things though that trips them up is because they are so passionate and they are so knowledgeable. They're experts in their field or their core competency that sometimes they go overboard in that part of the conversation, the hows, the whats, you know, all their expertise. And, and so they miss those other components of, well, am I really being relatable? Am I really establishing trust? Am I really creating credibility and building the desire, you know, in just being, you know, almost backing up the dump truck and, and, you know, conveying all this expertise they have. So, so that's usually one of the stumbling blocks that, that I help entrepreneurs work through is just like, you know, let's back off a little bit. That's your expertise. They don't need to know everything. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like everybody just wants to be helpful. And in, in that desire to be helpful, you know, they make their prospective buyers eyes glaze over and kind of check out because you're just, you're right, like they don't need to know everything. I meant to ask you this earlier, um, but got sidetracked. Do you still play music? I do. I do. Uh, I have attempted to get into the local symphony orchestra many times and have failed at the audition surprise <laughs> so i play in a swing band and i'm a lead trumpet in a big band so you know the harry connick jr type tunes you know frank sinatra all the fox trots and swing and tango and those kinds of things oh that's great now that you mentioned tango i did this painting not too long ago actually uh for the emerging tech collection for acceleration of change what i wanted to paint was acceleration of change and I did it and I looked at it and I was like, ah, this is such a cliche. I cannot put this out. I mean, it was fine, but it was like a cliche. So I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not putting this out. So I sat down and I meditated on it. And the image that came to me was a tango between optimism for the future and fear of the unknown. And when that happens, you have to just dance like, and that's what tango you know, in tango, you have to keep, just keep dancing. And, and so I made my mom play La Paloma on her accordion over and over and over and over again. And then I listened to Argentinian tango just to get the feel for the movement. And then I made La Paloma and now I, you know, it's one of my favorite pieces. Well, actually all of them are my favorite pieces, I guess. But, you know, I love that you still play. I think that's so important. Music is just so important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's part of my soul. It's just when I practice or perform, it just, it brings that sort of peace and satisfaction. It's just, it's part of me. So I can't ever let it go. I bet that you having that musician's ear, it really helps you listen to your prospective buyers and really hear what they're saying. You know, like I, I hear you, but do I really hear you, you know? That is a, another parallel with being a great leader is the listening, you know, being able to listen really well to your team or whoever you're, you're leading. And the same is so important within the sales conversation to be able to really listen and ask those good questions that will help align the two visions and um, the message with something that's going to, inspire action. Oh, for sure. 
when you're working with your clients, how do they respond to your sales methodology once you teach them and they start using it and they actually see how easy it can be? Yeah, that one of uh, the recent clients that I've been working with, um, and she helps create efficiencies within processes. Uh, she was really, I mean, she is an expert at what she does. Um, I don't know of anybody that has such expertise in developing process efficiencies. And so it was really easy for her to talk about, talk on and on and on about how she can do this and how this can be improved and how that can be improved. But the big component that was being left out was what's the real life outcome, you know, of having that work done, you know, of teaming up with her, you know, and, and people get so intellectual within that process, but really to make it, it's interesting because a lot of people will disagree with this, but buying decisions are emotional. It's because you get excited about the end result. You get excited about the outcome. You get excited about the relief of not having that challenge. And, and the more that you can connect uh, with their vision of what will be the outcome. So taking people beyond that pain point or that, okay, what's the challenge? I see that. Okay. And this is how we can solve this. And, and this is how life will be afterwards. And that's really a great way to associate the value of your work too. And a lot of entrepreneurs have difficulty in really standing firmly in the value of their work. And they, they have a hard time um, conveying what the value is. And so I really love to focus on that. Okay. Identify the challenge. Absolutely. Let's get clear. Let me understand. Let me hear exactly where the pain point is and then align the process. And then let's talk about the possibilities and the outcomes and, you know, show you how, you know, or why I believe with the two of us can achieve that outcome. She actually gained a lot more confidence in the sales process because she could uh, connect better and was getting more response, you know, a more engaging conversation, right? When you start talking on and on and on about your process, you kind of get that, you know, <laughs> overlook. And if you are really asking questions and hearing what their pain point is and then aligning the, you know, your work with their outcome and talking more in their outcome and their desires and the possibilities and how we can get there, boy, that creates the engagement. And that made the whole conversation just like night and day. And she had, you know, she started having a lot more confidence in just entering into those conversations. It became much more clear. I think confidence goes so far. Wendy, this sounds amazing. If people wanted to get in touch with you, what is the best way? My website has various modes of contacting me. And so that's predictablesalesresults.com. Or I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Wendy Vaughn, and that's V-A-U-G-H-A-N. The Norwegians, they slipped in an A there at the end. <laughs> 
So those are the, the two best modes to reach out to me. And I do offer uh, what I call a sales blind spot session, coaching session. And because this taps into my, some of my uh, superpowers, if you will, after being in the sales role for so many years, I had this keen ability to listen to somebody else's sales process or sales approach or client enrollment approach. And I can hear exactly where they're missing something that's causing clients to slip away, prospective clients to slip away. So I call this a sales blind spot coaching session. And um, I normally charge for these, but Garana, for your guests, your listeners, I would be more than happy to gift this. So just look for that okay. on my website. It's one of the tabs, uh, sales blind spot coaching session. So, and just add in there, let's say the word leadership. Wendy, thank you so much for that. I think that's really generous. So this is something that you're charging people to sign up for and you're willing to do a complimentary session for people listening. So I'm going to make sure that we have a link in show notes, that we have instru clear instructions on how to do that so that you would waive the, um, the fee. So that's so generous. Thank you so much for that. And uh, I'll definitely make sure that we have proper instructions and uh, and everything in show notes for that. And also, thank you so much for spending some time with me and educating me about your process. I think it's brilliant. And thank you for the inspiration. I have at least three ideas that I can put in my idea box, which everybody knows that that you know I'm all about ideas in my idea box that I can take into the art studio. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me a guest on your show. My pleasure. All right. Wow, that was an amazing conversation with Wendy about leadership and sales. And it's been a really great day for me. I have three ideas I'm adding to my idea box. The first one is something we talked about early in the conversation about inspiring people to take action. So a painting called Inspired Action would be really great. Another one we mentioned was You're the Magic, right? I love that one. I think that that's a great one. And then the third one is um, that I thought about was Path to Yes. What is Path to Yes? How, how would that translate into a visual medium? I think that's an interesting idea. So it's been a great day for me. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And until next time, stay inspired and keep creating. I'll catch you next time. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>